everyone, and welcome to episode 661 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Joe. Todd, I thought you said you had given up smoking. Um, I did, but this is uh, second country smoking, apparently. It's not second hand, it's second country smoking, because it ain't ours country smoke. Oh, no. Our neighbor to the north decided to put their bad habits on us, right? That's right. America's hat is at it again, Joe. No, again, I, you know, we mentioned it on After Dark, of course. This will be a little bit more timely as this comes out. Hopefully everyone uh, being affected directly or indirectly by the uh, Canadian wildfires are doing okay. Um, it's just, uh, you know, crazy to see something like this going on, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know it's affecting me. You know, I have undiagnosed asthma um, because I won't go to a doctor. Right. Uh, but WebMD tells me I have it. Right. And, and WebMD uh, tells me I have lots of things, Joe. Yeah. Well, listen, WebMD's got a big mouth. That's all I'm saying. That's right. So it likes to say a lot of things. But you know, WebMD doesn't have, Todd, information about comic book stuff. And that's what this podcast is for. Right. Uh, so we've got some moving and shaking uh, with creative at both Marvel and DC. Uh, and we also get one of the biggest hits in Italy making its way to the United States. Yes. This is how you do teases on the quarter hours, the fives <laughs> and the tens, right? Right. Uh, we've got convention news. Um, we've got a preemptive Rob watch. It's not going to get the... The stinger, but it's a kind of a early warning. The Rob system, <laughs> right? Which we've, which I've implemented at great expense to myself this week. <laughs> okay, uh, we've got uh, what we read from this past week, which was Power Girl Special Number One and Amazing Spider-Man Twenty Six. Uh, not unlike VSK, very controversial, apparently. Uh, what we're looking forward to this week. Todd and Joe have issues as we look at the next two chapters, three and four, respectively, in the Sandman story, Brief Lives, and a quickie uh, discussion in regards to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. No spoilers. Sounds like a packed show, Joe. Sounds like a packed show, but also sounds like a quick show. It'll be a short show. Should be a short show. Slender read of a show. There you go. Uh, so we'll, you know, because they bump up against each other, um, we'll save the convention thing for last. But, uh, you know, a lot of new number ones coming at both the big two companies. Uh, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about the new Daredevil number one that's coming out. Uh, we have a new Captain America number one that's coming out. And it's got a big name creative team on it uh art being done by jesus sayas and writing done by j michael straczynski yes uh who you know did very you know controversial stuff at both marvel and dc um he's mostly been writing for awa comics uh recently but this is his first marvel book in almost 15 years since he kind of disappeared off thor yeah um, so just, just interesting to see that it was, a. am going to give Michael J. Michael Straczynski's Captain America an issue. 
I am also going to try because I read some of his AWA stuff too. So yes, telepaths. I I tried his telepaths with uh, Diodato, and I really liked it. Yeah, um, he gets a one issue look on a big two book because of Rising Stars. I still love Rising Stars. Rising Stars is great, and I was glad when he finished it because he had a rep. For not finishing books, you know what I yes. mean? Like he'd walk away in a huff or a week in a huff. But uh, it just, it just, I, that's why the only thing that I'm leery about, because he has a track record of that. But Rising Stars, he did come back to. And Rising Stars is like one of the hottest starts for a book ever. Yes. I was like, wow, this is so good. And then, and then it kind of got short shrift because of the Heroes TV show. And I think that's why you'll never see that made because it will always be compared to Heroes, even though Heroes completely swiped Rising Stars. Yeah, it did. Um, I remember Heroes as well. Um, you mentioned, you know, Straczynski leaving books. I mentioned him being controversial, making big sweeping changes. And because of the cachet that his name carries, he's kind of allowed to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes those changes get immediately ignored. Uh, sometimes those changes are left for someone else to clean up, not in the Daredevil way, but in a what-have-we-gotten-ourselves-into sort of way. Right, how are the Duke boys going to get out of this one kind of way? Right, but I'll definitely be checking this out. I, I like Captain America... Um, James Michael Straczynski is a writer who I'm a fan of. We'll see how this goes. Now, I have one last question before I move on. Last week when we talked about, or whenever we talked about, I don't remember it was on the main show or After Dark, we talked about the uh, the writer's strike. Yes. Do you think this is fallout from him not having work? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, they announced that the writer's strike is going to be going on for a while. And Straczynski's like, hey, I'll do a Marvel book. To get some to get some payday, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's not a bad theory, Todd. I like the way that you're thinking, but that makes me wonder though if this was something you know because obviously it's not coming out until September. Is this something that they reached out to because they knew the writers' strike was coming for a little bit, and with the writers' strike actually happening, did both parties come to agreement of like, hey, I got a Captain America story? but I have all these other projects. Now I ain't got all these other projects. Let's go with my Captain America story. That may bear out that maybe it's something that he's been sitting on for a while and it'll get finished. Right. And let's see if any other, like I, we may not know them the way we know Straczynski, but let's see if any other Hollywood writers end up bumping people and writing comics. You know what I mean? Yeah. As that was uh, the trend last time. Yeah. Hopefully the big two have learned their lesson. Right, because they always come back and finish everything. I was going to say, I think we're going to do a follow-up that the big two have not learned their lesson. <laughs> right, with the Arrested Development Ron Howard voice over at top of it. Yes. Uh, but another shift uh, recently, you know, I know our friend DJ of We Need Wrestling was lamenting that Kelly Thompson, who had been previously writing Captain Marvel over at Marvel... Um, they just wrapped up her, you know, run on that, and there was no relaunch, there was no whatever. He was kind of kicking some rocks over it, but it's because Kelly Thompson is going over to DC to relaunch Birds of Prey, which I think is a creative team, a book, or it's a, 
a team, it's a concept, it's an everything that kind of fits into Kelly's uh, strengths. And uh, Leonardo Romero and Jordi Belair on art is a fantastic combination. Uh, this is definitely something that I'll be putting on my list when this comes out as well. Um, I don't know. I'm like, because I never, I didn't read a lot of Kelly Thompson. So I don't know. Like, is it something I might try? Maybe, but I, I don't know where I'm at right now. We'll see when we get closer and how many books I have. Yeah. Um, but like I said, it's going to definitely be something I'll be interested in. Um, you know, she's a really good writer. I'm a Birds of Prey fan, obviously. I, you know, with, um, they've already teased for sure that Black Canary is on the team, and we shall see who else could be on the team. Right. And that could bear things out as well. I, I think she specifically said, uh, the one person that she could say who's not going to be on the team uh, is going to be um, Ted Cord. Oh, okay. <laughs> but other than that, I think uh, you know it'll be very interesting to see how this one pans out. So, yep, yep. Okay, so there's that. And then, last but not least, from the news, we have talked before many a times, longingly and lovingly, about the Lake Como Comic Art Fest. That right. takes place in beautiful somewhere in Italy. Italy is very beautiful, right? I'm gonna guess Lake Como. Um, um sure, why not? Uh so it was something that was obviously in Italy, and it was less of a comic book convention, and it was something that was more geared toward the art side of things. Uh, you know, less writers were going to be there, more artists were going to be there, but also more catering to the art collector side of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um obviously the 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 the, the soon to be named network copter only has enough gas to get so far. Right, Iceland, and that's it. Right, and that's a whole other issue, de-icing the the propeller. (laughs) Right. But it was just announced that in January of 2024, uh, in Orlando, Florida, they are going to be getting OAX, which is standing for Original Art Expo, which essentially is the same thing as Lake Como Comic Art Fest in Italy. Right. I hope the chopper can handle humidity, Joe. I think, Joe, we can handle January humidity with the chopper. We've been there once or twice. Uh, but already, you know, we got um, folks named uh, Sean Gordon Murphy, Mike Alred, Laura Alred, uh, Adam Kubert, Bob Layton, Jim, Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor, who are local, of course, uh, Andy and Veronica Fish, Bob McLeod. So, you know. We're six months out, and they got a halfway decent list. I'm sure they're going to be working on some more heavy hitters and stuff for this. Um, but they're, you know, they're claiming that they're uh, looking to bring in nearly 100 exhibit exhibitors, a minimum of 60 artists, um, art dealers, art reps, auction houses, and with uh, scheduled three to five hundred art collectors from around the globe. Oh, boy. And just when I thought I was out, Joe, they pull me back in. Florida's close enough. I hear Florida is lovely in uh, late January. I was out. I'm out I, and I was out of the art game, Joe. I mean, come on. This is they heard 
that you were out of the art game, and then they're like, how do we get Todd back in? That, Joe, this isn't major bendies. This is art. <laughs> There's something real that people actually collect and go up in value. Right, and it's tough to buy because I'm poor. Yeah, you know, I don't know. You have a successful quarry, a Cinnabon I had franchise. a successful quarry. Yeah. Had it. Uh, my apologies. Right. Lost it in a card game, but anyway. <laughs> uh, but again, that's a convention art show. Excuse me, that's six months away. Let's get to some conventions that are taking place this weekend uh, all over the greater United States. Uh, we've got Incredible Con in North Charleston, South Carolina. Not confusing at all. Um, a little bit smaller. Again, we're going from smallest to biggest. Uh, Jim Shooter and the aforementioned Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor will be at that one. And we always say, if you're at a convention and the Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor click are there, uh, you know, make sure to, you know, keep a distance. If they're doing a panel, go to the panel. If they're going, if, if they're at the hotel bar, keep a safe distance, but follow them because that's where the party is. Yep, yep. Uh, we've got the Niagara Falls Comic Convention. Slowly I turn. Thank you. Uh, we've got Jim Steranko, Jim Starlin uh, from the comic book side of things. But we've got tons and tons of media guests, Todd. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Michael Rosenbaum and John Glover. So you can get the uh, good part of the Smallville um, photo op. Right. No brand. No branding for this uh, photo op. That's right. Tom Arnold is going to be there. Oh, Jerry Mathers is going to be there as the beef. Well, again, I'd love to see what Jerry Mathers. I know it. I know where they're trotting Jerry Mathers out for the uh, leave it to beaver redo on TBS in the late eighties. Uh, I can't imagine what he looks like now. Some 40 years on, you know, I think this is going to be Stanley at the end part two. Oh boy. I hope he's doing all right. Yep. And tons of people from the world of sports and entertainment. Mm. Tito Santana is going to be there. Trish Stratus is going to be there. Lead is going to be there. Ric Flair is going to be there. In a rare, and I think this is a first time ever convention appearance, Jesse the Body Ventura is going to be there. I hope he brings old Painless. Is that the gun? Yeah, it was the gun from Predator. No, it was his fanny pack. That's what old painless was. Well, that's what it is these days. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that picture? Is that what you're talking about? No, I don't know. You're t- I just know that uh, he wasn't a rattler. Well, yeah, yes, he was. <laughs> but recently, I'd say like in the last week or so, um, Minnesota just announced that they're doing uh, legalized marijuana. Oh, good. And even though Jesse, uh, and again, I'm going to do a really bad Jesse Ventura impersonation, currently lives off the grid in Mexico, uh, he did make an appearance at, like, whatever, when they made the announcement in uh, Minnesota at, like, the, the state capitol or whatever. Right. And Jesse was there, like, you know, in a suit, but he also had his fanny pack on. Oh, with the boy. Suit. Like it was like literally it was I'm sure as soon as the gavel hit so he could take one out and light up, you know, (laughs) it's legal. Right. Uh, But Jesse, the body Ventura is going to be there and Mr. Hitman's going to be there. The one from DC Comics? uh, No, that's just Hitman. Oh, I thought it was. It's just Mr. Hitman. 
Brett the Hitman Hart, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. I guess. Worth going over the falls in a barrel to meet <laughs> Mr. Hitman, I'll just say that. Right. I don't know, somebody's got to map out how uh, close Lancaster, Pennsylvania is to this convention. All I know is, isn't he the wrestler who somehow wormed his way onto The Simpsons? He, like, scammed his way on. War- scammed? Worm. They're like, they're he, like, got a, he got a Simpsons action figure out of it. They, they were like, oh, we, we want somebody good and famous. And they gave them Mr. Hitman. He was the goodest and most famous at the time and still is to this day. Well, I don't know. Is it Je- Jeff Jarrett or is it Mr. Hitman? You, you, you send mixed <sighs> signals on these things. Joe. There's a lot of really good wrestlers at the top of the list there. Mm-hmm. They're all number one. They're all equal. They're all tied for number one. <laughs> right. Uh, but the biggie this weekend uh, is Fan Expo Dallas. And again, it bears repeating. These Fan Expo shows are a bust. The only <laughs> one that makes any money is Orlando, <laughs> allegedly. But when I look at this guest list and I see the comic book side of things, James Tinney in the fourth, Mark Silvestri... Joshua Williamson, Donnie Cates, Mitch Gerads, Phil Jimenez. Yeah, looks like a pretty good list on the comic book side, right? Right. Are there any entertainment guests, Joe? Well, from the world of media, uh, we've got the Lampoon's, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation photo op with not only Chevy Chase, not only Beverly D'Angelo, not only Randy Quaid, but also Christy Brinkley as well. Wait a minute. Randy Quaid? Yeah. Isn't he afraid of the Hollywood Mafia? Uh, that's going to be very interesting to see. how Randy Quaid's got a lot of uh, interesting theories that he posts up on the YouTube. And doesn't he have some pieces of paper out for him? Uh, well, people looking? Uh, listen, I think uh, Dallas might be friendly to Randy Quaid, is all I'm saying. <laughs> and his way of thinking? Sure. Uh, we got the Vincent D'Onofrio, Charlie Cox, Daredevil uh, combo pack, right? Oh, cool. Uh, from the the Askewniverse, if that's a thing. Yes. Uh, we got Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, Jeff Anderson. Uh, sadly, uh, no Brian O'Halloran can't be here, but they got two better. They got Jason Lee to come out. Mm-hmm. And they also got Rosario Dawson to come out. <sighs> Respectfully, I like Rosario Dawson. Um, well, well, keep tipping your cowboy hat for a second, because Christina Ricci is going to be there as well. <sighs> that's, another, that's another actress that I like very respectfully. Um, but uh, Young Josh uh, ruined Clerks 3 for me today, so I never saw it. So I did can't. He, I was going to uh, say, did he make you watch it? <laughs> No, when you if you're ever in the shop and young Josh is there, ask him about his love for Kevin Smith. Um, he loves Kevin Smith about the same way I love David Lynch. And talks, oh, gotcha. And talks the same like like beat red when he talks about Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. So wind the kid up. All right, I'll do it. So um, I, I meant to throw this in before, but obviously doesn't get a, a stinger or a bumper. But um, I'll be honest with you. The Rob's podcast lately has been kind of ho-hum, right? 
What? He must be out of his uh, special healing ointment. Well, you know, uh, we got a two-parter about the things he liked in 1979. <sighs> we got a two-parter about the things he liked in 1983. Okay. We got a one-parter about the thing he liked in 1989. Do you sense a, do you sense a theme here? Right, right. You got the Rob talking about his thoughts on AI-generated uh, media, okay? Probably pro, right? Right. And it's on neither of our lists, but the Rob's Batter Blood Deadpool book comes out this week, right? Right. So the Rob is, you know, making the rounds a little bit, and he's going to be on a comic book podcast that I listen to called Word Balloon, hosted by John Suntris. They're, uh, the Rob's on West Coast time, so it's recording as we speak. Mm. Um, the last time the Rob was on John's podcast was when the Rob ended up doing those three books at DC, the Deathstroke book, the Grifter book, and what was the other one that he did? Hawk Maybe- and Dove. Hawk and Dove for the part of the New 52, right? Right. And the books weren't even out yet. And the Rob was already going scorched earth on editorial, (laughs) right? Right. So, it's late. The book's already at the printers. Uh, Could be an interesting interview, right? Right. That's all. Could be peaches, could be meat. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Uh, but links to all this stuff will be in the show notes, of course, uh, along with uh, information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Uh, anytime any of the shows go live uh, in the network, and that is this show you're listening to, of course, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, we need wrestling. Got a plug before Wings on Wings, of course. That's the other show that uh, comes from the. DJ Compound, what we would call their studio. Uh, soon to be named Network North, maybe? Could be, could Cause be. Because on, on a mountain? Yes. Uh, Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, At Odds with Wrestling. Um, we have our boutique shows as well. Uh, hopefully, Hit My Music will be coming back soon. Uh, and of, well, as well as uh, No Chance in Helmet with the uh, upcoming nfl season upon us i guess right and anytime any of the folks from the network go on any other shows you could find it there as well i was just on uh between the sheets this past week now todd i'm only on the first two hours of the mm-hmm. six and a half hour podcast <sighs> and they get my stuff out of the way right up front good good i'm glad <laughs> And it's uh, them, you know, they talk about a specific week in the world of professional wrestling, um, you know, just focusing on that one year. And it just so happened to be the year of 2013, uh, which is the 10 year anniversary of the famous Chikara shutdown angle. And to uh, steal a phrase from my sweet Brucey, I was there. So I had a lot of firsthand accounting um, of what was going on and so forth. And, uh, you know. People seem to enjoy my appearance on there. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll give my opinion on After Dark this week. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat an apple in your honor for being on that podcast, John. Oh, I right. hate that I know that. Thank you. 
Uh, you can also check out some of our other friends and some of the stuff that they are up to as well. Go check out Mike Sterling's blog over at ProgressiveRuin.com. Go check out our friend Kevin's blog at MaskedLibrary.com. Go check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop at FreeKarateChopsStoreNV.com. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter uh, blasted past its goal, I think, the Indiegogo and everything else is done it was well over uh eight thousand dollars but it's currently up on indiegogo kind of like as an a la carte that you could just go ahead and buy it so that's going to be linked up here as well go check out chris runt's fortress of comic news podcast and while you're over there go check out his self-published comic battle monsters go check out our friend davy of the band cave people he and rosovia did a self-published comic called keeper you can get that at keepercomic.bigcartel.com. And if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. Comics on the Green, I have their Facebook linked up there. That's where Dave and the gang let everyone know when the uh, new arrivals are in, when the final order cutoff dates are for some of the hot books so you don't miss out. And like I said, you can sign up for their mail order subscription service, get stuff mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. And if you do, there's a chance that you could get a sketch on the package from our good friend Becky. You can go check out her uh, commissions, her process, her everything that she's done with her art. And she's a fantastic artist on her social media. Um, again, none of it is the same any places, but it's linked up in the show notes. Right. She needs to work on that as well. She needs a social media manager. Right. I, I know you'll volunteer. So I'm not volunteering. So let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Where would you like to begin? Uh, I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which was the Power Girl special. Um, but mostly for the Fire and Ice uh, backup, or as uh, Joe calls it, the backdoor pilot. Um, just like I said, starring Fire and Ice, uh, written by Joanne Starr and art by Natasha Bustos. Um, basically, the book is starting, the issue is starting out the story. Um, Fire and Ice are going to stop a tidal wave ish at Baltimore Inner Harbor, and they're kind of discussing what they should do. And Fire's like, just as long as you don't call Guy, kind of a deal. And Ice is like, leave me alone. I'll make my own choices. They kind of you know, do what they can to stop it. Lo and behold, maybe Guy Gardner shows up because someone might have called him. Things go awry because, you know, Guy Gardner's got that gentle hand when it comes to superheroing, you know, and fire wants none of it. And like I said, things just go completely sideways. Um, the calmer heads prevail when Superman shows up. Love the guy's reaction when Superman shows up. Absolutely fantastic. Um, fire is kind of like belligerent to Superman. I kind of like the one line that she says, like things went wrong. And she's like, let me guess. You're not mad. You're just disappointed. Like, cause it's like something a father would say. And he ends up going like, I know we got things going on, but basically I think I know somewhere where you can go, where you can like hash all this out. And he basically sends them, you know, no, no spoiler because 
that's what they were talking about the first issue of the book. He sends him off to Smallville and the Kent Farm. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought this issue was fun. I like uh, the art in it, especially I'm a sucker for those classic ice and fire costumes. And then on top of that, uh, just a small thing, the Justice League uh, communicator device is the exact one from the first couple issues of Justice League International. So as something completely stupid and small uh, I popped for. So yeah, this um, I was already buying the Fire and Ice miniseries, but this gives me uh, positive feelings about picking it up. Yeah, I, again, I, I always say it's backdoor pilot, them sneaking it out of this Power Girl special to get you pay for a $6 book. I paid for a $6 book. I was getting it so that I have the full run of this Fire and Ice thing. I echo many of the s- sentiments that Todd mentions. The art is like really, really, and again, I don't want to say soft, but it's very expressive and very big. Um, smooth almost yeah 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 that's the word i'm looking for um very expressive in the faces um they did get me and i say they joanne the writer um who i've mentioned has written stuff um uh, i think the ahoy book uh the gimmick and she has a new book coming out from boom uh next month as well and she's gonna be the one that's writing the fire and ice book when that comes out in september uh there's a bit where guy does the bwahaha Mm-hmm. And I say to, I'm reading, you know, and I'm reading a, uh, I'm reading a comic sequentially, like most people read a comic book. And I say to myself, I'm like, that's not guy's thing to do. And then literally the next panel, fire is like, that's not your thing to do. Stop that stupid laugh. And I'm like, right. wow, fantastic, you know, like. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned about the communicator, mm-hmm. and you know, we already gave a little bit away. Did you see any other uh, Easter eggs in here? No, not at all. Point one out, Joe. For real, you didn't? I don't know off the top. I might have and just forgot it. Do you have the comic in front of you? Yes, I do. All right, I'm going to get the comic out here as well. They they kind of do it a little bit of a ham-fisted way. Listen to this beautiful sound. Oh, beautiful <laughs> sound. I would get yelled at if I made a sound on the podcast, Joe. All right, so it's the second to last panel. On uh, uh, the end of the book? Uh, at the end of the book, the second to last panel of the Fire and Ice story. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> like, there's a possibility. Maybe that's just something, you know, holding down a piece of traveling furniture, you know? Yeah, it could be anything. I don't that- want to give that away. But if you're, uh, there's uh, there's enough JLI stuff in here um, that scratches that itch for a JLI fan like Todd and myself. And uh, get well soon, uh, Salty Keith, unrelated. And I will say you got taken for five ninety nine. I got taken for $5.99 and I got taken $9.99 because I became a foil cover guy so gradually I hardly even noticed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you could just get some aluminum foil, tape it onto the... Anyway. But foil covers are are the thing now and I love them. I may have went back and picked up the Peacemaker foil cover. I don't know, but we'll talk about it. No, I didn't get bit by that goose, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We're... So, and and listen, I'll just say this um, in regards to the book. And we do try to look at things in a very positive way. Um, I didn't buy this book for the Power Girl story. Right. But we read it. But I bought this comic and I spent $6 on it. So I was going to read this Power Girl story. Mm -hmm. And we talked before with a lot of the uh, Dawn of DC stuff. It's like, oh, they're trying to fix things with Green Arrow. And they're trying to fix things with... 
Green Lantern and they're trying to fix things with Superman to kind of like streamline the stories and make them a little bit more reader friendly to hop back in. Mm-hmm. Um, reading what they do in this Power Girl story, I think Power Girl has jetted to the top of the list, surpassing Donna Troy, surpassing Hawkman as one of the most convoluted origins and status quos in DC Comics history. Right. I don't know if it's that far because I feel that all this could be wiped away instantly. Um, but man, oh man, like power, uh, power, not power girl, Hawkman and, and uh, Donna Troy are much worse, but she's slowly uh, reaching that crescendo. But go ahead. Sorry. The, um, I like Johnny Sorrow in this. Johnny Sorrow is good. Johnny Sorrow is fun. I like and when I he shows up. Liked, he's, a good, uh, he's a good guy, you know? I will say I even enjoyed kind of a little bit of we got the four horsemen, the only good four horsemen that's ever been. Um, and I, I enjoyed like their bit and stuff like that. But the, the there was far too many super superman family characters that I have never heard of or saw before in this issue. There yeah. was like five of them. This was and it it comes out of the Lazarus story, Planet Lazarus, and nothing's explained. And then a certain punch that Power Girl has, kind of was like, eh, not for me. But uh, I will buy the Fire and Ice mini from it. Right there, you go. Uh, so the other book that I read, I don't think Todd read, nope, um, nope. was Amazing Spider-Man number twenty-six, uh, written by Zeb Wells with art by John Romita Jr. Um, so this is the buildup. This is what they've been pushing for the better part of the last four months that they were going to kill off a major supporting character. Definitely they were, Mary Jane. They were, okay, so they were lining it up that it's the anniversary of Gwen Stacy's death, and they were really playing their cards that it was going to be Mary Jane, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not Mary Jane. So much so that Marvel themselves spoiled the surprise um, the, uh, the the afternoon before issue 25 came out. So, like, two weeks ago, right? Right. So, I feel comfortable in talking about spoilers, okay? Go right ahead. They kill off Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, okay? Um... I've been enjoying this run by Zeb Wells that I'm willing to give this death, which sadly in the story itself means literally nothing. I know there's a lot more people than me that are very upset with the way this was handled. A lot of people probably only read this issue and maybe the issue before talked about how bad it is. The optics of this don't look great. Um, the fact that in uh, Ms. Marvel's actual comic itself, they revealed at least two other times where she was able to come back from a gunshot wound simply by shape-shifting. Right. Uh, I, I certainly hope that this death at least means something in the book. It meant nothing in this issue, but hopefully going forward it means something, whether for... Spider-Man, whether it be for Mary Jane, whether it be for the kids, whether it be for the character Paul. And that's the thing. 
Kamala Khan's death is like the backdrop to the major thing that's going on um, with Rabin and he's the vessel of Wyep and he's the one that has Spider-Man that everyone mad at Spider-Man because the way that he's been acting and we find out from the previous issue that he's been acting this way because you know he and Mary Jane were about to rekindle the relationship and while Mary Jane sacrificed herself to go into this other dimension, she meets this guy, Paul, who is actually the son of Rabin, the vessel of Wyep. And, you know, he's the one who kind of had a hand in the creation of all of this. And Mary Jane knew when she was keeping it a secret from Peter. So, like, that's like the A story of the book, mm-hmm. capital A. And then the B story, lowercase b story, is the death of Kamala Khan. Right. I feel as though it does the death a disservice on its face. The face? If you're just, again, if you haven't been reading everything go up to this point, and I hope everything past this does something to make it mean something, but I don't right. feel as though this is a death that's going to be permanent. Miss Marvel Kamala Khan is all over the Captain Marvel movie that's coming out in November. I'd say that she'll be back with a new number one before then. Yeah, that's why I can't have much faith in this whole, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just because of the movie, you know? And even if she is, like, for, not, and when I say forever, I mean for a while. You know what I mean? Like, if Marvel's like, we're gonna, we're gonna put our foot down and keep her gone for a while. I just, I just know she's coming back. There's, like, Uncle Ben is the only one that doesn't come back, and someday he's gonna. But uh, they just have too much, you know, a young actress, uh, big things. I don't know. It just, I just feel that sometimes when these companies hype this stuff, uh, people get got, and I feel people got got this time, Joe. Yeah, I didn't get got, but I feel bad, right? Because I'm already reading the book. Um, I, I feel bad for the guys and gals that read this book and got got. That's what I mean. Well, and the retailers who up their orders because of this, and it may turn out to be nothing. You know what I mean? Right. So, it's a anyway. bummer. But it's, yeah. you know, when did comics become a business, right? Oh, I can give you the exact date and time, but. Oh, okay, you know, we'll good. Um, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, I am currently in the lead with five correct guesses over Todd. Yeah, insurmountable. Uh huh. And I'm not going to do the him and Han. I'm not kicking no tires. I'm not making no guesses because the book that Todd is most looking forward to coming out this week is Flash 800. No, it's yes, it's that one. Um, literally a Mark Wade story with Todd Knock on art, uh, Joshua Williamson with a uh, Carmine D. GM- whatever i'm not going to butcher his name um and jeff johnson scott collins just those three stories i think i've pretty much you know said in past history that they're my three favorite writers on flash and they have a story in this and then we get a a taste of what the new uh creative team is going to be yeah i'm all over this 
though I did not order the uh, foil variant because that's uh, I didn't like the art. And then there's a foil variant with the flash symbol on it, which I really wanted, but it was only limited to a thousand. I was like, that one's not happening either. But uh, yeah, I'm I, looking forward I, to I get you. You're waiting for the CGC uh, uh, variant on that. I get right nine point eight. That's the only way I'll do it. Right. So I'm looking over your list, and Joe, I think I'm going to lose more ground because there are several books that I think it could be. Right. Um, I'm glad you just give me the 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 the, the right, and uh, I don't know because I'm down to two, but I'm going to say, is it Peacemaker tries hard number two? It is Peacemaker tries hard number two. Right, because it was either that or Traveling to Mars, because I know you're big on Traveling to Mars, but I know you're a Kyle Starks guy, even more than a Kyle Starks is a Joe guy, so that's so, my guess. Uh, so, yeah, okay, so I'll, and I'll say this, um, you know, just to throw it out there, um, there was a, again, you hit a winner, and this was not an easy winner, I'll say that, okay, mm-hmm. because we got the new status quo happening in Batman 136, right? Right. Um, I'm caught up on Adventures of Superman John Kent, and issue three was a great cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. We had the selling point of issue one of Shazam number two, Shazam number Shazam one, Shazam two's out. Uh, this is the pen ultimate issue of I Hate This Place number nine. Um, Phantom Road was, you know, first two issues, okay. Issue three was great, so issue four is out. Um, once upon, uh, once upon a time at the end of the world is back from its mini hiatus. So there was like literally like six or seven hits that it could have been, but I really liked Peacemaker tries hard number one, and I can't wait to see the foolishness in part two. Right. And I knew there were multiple, as I said, but I was afraid if I went down the list, I would, I would would uh, talk yourself out of it. Right, so I was like, I'm just going to give the one I think, but I may not have picked them all. That you, the the adventures of Superman, I, I, Jonathan Kent, I wouldn't have picked, and Phantom Road, I, I we were only kind of lukewarm on issue one, haven't talked about, so I would have never guessed that one. Yeah, and, yeah, and then obviously you had another Kyle Starks book, and I'm like, oh, I'm just pulling my hair out, but. Figuring that everybody is talking, like especially at the shop too, about how if you're not hearing um, Peacemaker as John Cena in your head, you're doing it wrong because it is pretty much just the book on paper. So that's why I swung that way. Yeah, the show on paper, but I get you. Right, right. Sorry. Yes, the show on paper. Uh, So again, no movement. I was right. You were right. uh, But that's okay. There was no way I could have fooled you. It wasn't Flash 800. Yeah, listen. All too easy, some would say. Mm -hmm. Uh, So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and the current ongoing Todd and Joe have issues as we are currently doing a reread of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. And we're not just doing the 75 issues of the main story. We're doing miniseries. We're doing one-shots. We're doing short stories. We're doing it all. Mm-hmm. And right now, we're a third of the way into Brief Lives to set the stage. Delirium has decided it is time for them to go look for their lost brother who left the prodigal son destruction. Morpheus himself coming off yet another 
bad breakup has decided he is going to accompany Delirium on her quest. If nothing else, to take his mind off the bad breakup. And as we left the last issue, uh, Morpheus says, after all, this is completely straightforward. What could possibly go wrong? I get goosebumps every time one of us reads that line, Joe. Todd, how about everything? Yep, yep. Um, so as this issue starts out, you know, written by Neil Gaiman, art by Jill Thompson and Vince Locke, um, someone's thinking about like all the truly old people in the world. Um, and they talk like how, how many people remember whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, like more recent, there's more of them, but you go back to dinosaurs and saber to tigers and each number, you know, it's like giving you almost the exact number. And I feel like if this wasn't, this was in the first 10 issues of Sandman, like Vandal Savage would have been mentioned by name. The immortal man uh, <laughs> at DC would have been mentioned by name, but now he's like, I don't want to get bogged down in any of that stuff, but uh, I think it's really cool. And we end up meeting Bernie Capax, who's a lawyer, and he's talking about how he remembers how things were different and how like woolly mammoth smelled. He's one of the very old, if you will. Like, right. He he mentioned something about Marquise de Sade specifically, mm-hmm. um, and he's like, "Oh, I saw a horror movie last night, and one of the villains was Marquise de Sade, an athletic debonair psychopath, the embodiment of pure vicious evil." And he goes, oh, I'm thinking of the man that I knew, a pale, asthmatic, terribly obese man from his years in prison who stared at shadows and wrote obsessively about actions he dared not perform. Yep. Take that, Marquise de Sade. <laughs> Neil Gaiman won that feud. Um but like he's remembering it all, and then he hears think somebody shout, and before he can look, you know, he sees a wall falling on him, and he just like, not yet. And he's standing there, and he's like, oh, I made it. And he's like, oh, I'm awesome. Did it again. Not even hurt. And But wouldn't you know it, Joe, who's standing next to him? Uh, death. And he's like, oh, tell me not this way. Not a stupid accident. He's like, yep, your body's under there. Look at it. And he's like, and this is one of my favorite quotes. I think this was even, like, on a shirt, Joe. He's like, but I did okay, didn't I? I got, what, 15,000 years? That's pretty good, isn't it? I lived a long time. And Death says, you lived what anybody gets, Bernie. You got a lifetime. No more, no less. You got a lifetime. The art there is beautiful, and that's one of my favorite Sandman quotes of all time. The two panels specifically here of death um, are amazing. Um, I, I, I was thinking to myself that the second one was the one that got stylized for a shirt, but they did like a new... It's not that in particular... It's a um, it's it's a it's a new piece of art for the shirt. It's not just something lifted from the book, right? I think it's actually Chris Bacallo though who does the artwork. But, but you get what I'm saying, like the, yes. where they oh, take that quote, yeah, right. So uh, you know, now we cut to Dream and Delirium wandering, you know, the Earth going where they're going and I won't hit every one of them, but this is where Delirium starts her bit where she's like. What's the name for the word for the precise moment when you realize that you actually forgotten how it felt to make love to somebody uh, you liked a really long time ago? And he's like, Sandman's like, there isn't one of those words. Oh, maybe I thought there was. And throughout the book, she's like, what's the word for? And does this elaborate thing? And there's like no word for it. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if this will pay off uh, at any <laughs> point. Um, 
So they go to this place that's called Feral Travel, and Dream walks in and talks to the secretary. I want to talk with uh, Faramond. And she's like, there's nobody by here by that name. And he's like, who runs this place then? Kind of a deal. And she's like, uh, uh, you mean Feral? And they call him. He's like, not going to talk. He's like, please. Um, <laughs> just, like, do it. And he's like, can I have your name? And... Jubilarium goes on one of her tirades, um, and it's just funny. And she's like, are you – I'm sorry, is this person with you? And she's like, I'm not a person. Delirium is – and I didn't realize it until, like, this issue. Delirium and and Dream as a team are the best because Dream is the ultimate straight man. <laughs> And delirium is just chaos. And the more they're together, the absolute more I love it. The I was going to say, the only thing better up to this point than Morpheus interacting with people in the waking world is delirium interacting with people in the waking world. Neither works out for any party involved. Right. Very big pendulum swing in the way they do things. Right? Yes. So, and he's like, tell him I'm an old friend. And she's like, she's not, he's not going to talk to you. Basically tell him that we had, we drank wine in Babylon together. And he's like, uh, I can't, you know, she does the delirium kind of does the bit again where she's, you know, doesn't know she, what a word is. Well, she's, and she's also very hung up that they called her a person. Yes. Um, and then we get, uh, Farrell, we get to cut to him and he just, it's just a page and a half of him describing his day, like, and, and how much with the travel things get out of control and the rich cause problems, um, stuff like that. And the various assistants are like you really kind of should talk to this person um because you know they're out there and the little one is like you know the big one's talking about this and babylon and wine the little one she's making frogs which i think is absolutely and the 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 secretary looks horrified and somebody mentions mentions the 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 wine he's like oh my god it's so and so and he goes out and he meets Delirium and Dream is like, not one, but two of the Endless under my roof. Like, this is fortuitous. And he's like, what do you need? I need you to help me travel. You know, you said you owed me a favor kind of a deal. And he goes, I like that he says, he's like, so you'll be staying on Earth then? Nothing off planet or off plane? He's like, just this Earth. And he's like, oh, that'll keep it very straightforward. And he's like, purpose of the journey? And he's like, no. Sandman just like, no. He's like, well, where should we start? And he's like, delirium kind of does it where's the list she's like oh the list um i wrote it myself and she's kind of is going over and dream and her going back and forth and classic you know the way they do things she's like i'll go get it um and she shows up and i like that pharaoh's talking to him and he's like i didn't think you were gonna cash in it not on the favor not that i i mind do you but thank you for like getting me out of like i'm the last of my pantheon kind of a deal yeah and they don't do it here, but we get a little bit more into his origin. Right. And we'll get to it when we get to it, because they don't get to it here, but they get to it later. Right. I got a little confused on the order of things. That's but, okay. That's okay. So Delirium shows up, and she's got the no, the letter, and he's like, see, I wrote them. See? See? And she's almost like a little kid with like a like a, a boring parent. Yes. Yes. I see. And there's the lawyer, lawyer the alderman, attain of the second look, and the dancing woman. And then they cut to Attain, um, who's, you know, making coffee in her apartment. Joe, do you know whose apartment this is? Uh, I would guess that this is Jill Thompson's apartment. Yes. And <laughs> she designed the apartment to be hers. And then she ended up just saying, heck with it. I'm going to draw myself as Attain. 
And uh, that's the kind of way that goes. And from there, of the audio drama, uh, Jill Thompson plays a Tane in the audio drama, too, during the Brief Lives run. So, full, you know, comes all around. And she's thinking about a dream that she had and a poem about, like, you know, this stuff. She's trying to remember it. And then she smells the gas. And it just seems like these ancient people know how to get out of situations. But unlike Bernie, um, she gets out of hers. But she's kind of just in her, like, a negligee kind of thing. And she's like, close first, then run. And uh, so she's on the run. Now we cut to destruction. And he's painting. Somewhere, you know, near the sea or a lake. We're not sure. It looks like an island, maybe. Like, who knows where it could be? Kind of a deal. And he has, you know, a talking dog naming named Barnabas. And Barnabas is fantastic. One of my favorite characters in this run. And they have banter back and forth, like gentle ribbing between Barnabas and Destruction. And he's critiquing the artwork and like how it's not very good. And he like basically gives a legitimate critique. And he's like, but I thought you guys were colorblind. And he's like, well, I, from the looking at your painting, I thought the same thing kind of a deal. And uh, the, the panel, ne- the two panels next to each other of the stern face and then the ha-ha-ha face is so great. Yep. And I love that, like we always say, that his uh, word balloons are pretty much normal, but he has a super thick line around his word balloons, as all the endless have their own like word balloons. It makes me feel like he has that loud, boisterous... Basically, if anybody was going to play him, it would be the guy who played in Flash Gordon, the Hawkman role. Uh, Brian Blessed, I think the actor's name is. That's the voice I hear when he talks, you know what I mean? Uh, obviously, here, clean-shaven, you don't get that look with the feel of the voice. But I'm almost certain that in previous incarnations of him, when we see him with the full beard and everything, mm-hmm. that's definitely who they were going for. Right. And then as they're talking, he's like, can you hear that? He's like, he's like, no, like, he's like, I can't hear it. Or the, the dog says, you can't hear that. And he's like, no, I'm not a dog. So he goes and he opens well, no, up this- well, wait, what he actually says is, oh, um, he goes, I can't hear it. And he says, well, you aren't a dog. And destruction says, not at the present. No. Right. Which leads you to believe that if he wanted to be a dog, he could be. Pretty much. And he goes, and he's like, what's this? He's like, it's always been locked. He's like, it's my family room. Um, and he's like, uh, that bubbling pool, what is it? He's like, that's going crazy. He's like, so early warning system. And he's like, dog's like, I don't like it. What's the warning, warning against? And he's like, trouble, big trouble. And I like the fact that this is his gallery you know, that we've always seen the endless in. And the, there was always one sigil missing because he had abandoned his post. And these are the little things that drove me nuts as I was reading the book. Cause it was like, okay, I've seen all the, the sigils, the helm, the aunt, the book, whatever. But there was always one missing for the prodigal son. And this is where we find out it's the sword. And I'm like, that's really cool. Just for me, absolutely fantastic. So now we cut to delirium and dream on a plane and i like the way like dream is just sitting like nothing like like a board man who's just gonna he's gonna sit that way on the plane the whole trip if nobody talks to him do you know what i mean <laughs> but just but delirium talks to him so now he starts shuffling because she kind of makes him um uncomfortable about things 
And he's like, and she ends up asking who that feral person was. And he says it used to be a god in Babylon, but the sacrifice were dwindling and, you know, the gods were being forgotten. And I, I suggested to find himself another occupation. And Delirium goes, I didn't know you could stop being a god. And Dream says, you could stop being anything. And she goes, um, like our brother. And he has that look like, oh, my God, kind of a like thing. But I like that he could say you could stop being anything when Dream is so rigid. Like, his whole thing is he abandoned his post. He shouldn't have done that. I could never abandon my post. Um, get, just it's funny him giving advice to somebody to be something different. I don't know. It's just weird. Um, so there's a little girl on the plane and kind of talking with her mother. She says she had a dream that, you know, that I couldn't find you and I would be lost. And the mother gives him the advice that you normally would give a child like, ah, it's just stupid. Don't worry about being lost in your dream. You'll always wake up and I'll always be there. And Sandman, I know, cause he knows a little bit about dreams. <laughs> He's like, child, your mother was wrong. You can indeed become lost in dreams. You may not always find yourself when you wake up. And they end up having, like, she's like, oh, we're having a conversation. And I'm not even going to go into what the mother, mother's talking to the stewardess. And she comes back and she's like, what did that, that man say to you? And he's like, she's like, true things, which is a great line um, about it. And before, as they're getting off the plane, the little girl says, when I dream sometimes, I remember how to fly. Just lift one leg, then you lift the other leg and you're not standing on anything and you can fly. And then I wake up and I can't remember how to do it anymore. And Sam is like, so? So I want to know is when I'm asleep, do I really remember how to fly and forget how when I wake up or am I just dreaming I can fly? And Sandman says, and I like the wink in his eye, telling the little child, like, when you dream, sometimes you remember. When you wake up, you always forget. Um, just kind of like very dream essence kind of thing that I like. Um, when they get there, there's somebody, you know, as they, as you did in the airports in the in the 90s and still do to this day, you're somebody holding a feral travel sign because it's not going <laughs> to say Morpheus. I just want to interrupt and say, I feel as though this little girl's conversation with Morpheus has changed her. I'm not saying for better or for worse. I'm just saying it's changed her. Yes. Yes. Um, so she ends up saying, I'm Ruby, please come with me. Farrell said that, you know, we'd be traveling. Um, we don't, you don't have anything. You can get around stuff real easy. I know how much that costs. So you're a whole, you're a big roller. Um, and I, they told me you'd like something classic and I love the roadster that they give. And, um, she's like, here it is, you know, let's go. It's an antique, but it'll run fine. And delirium's like, can I drive? And Sam is like, no, but I really want to drive. I'd be really good. No. And he's just going to be like, she's like, I wanted to be the driver. I wanted to be the driver. And, uh, he's like, where are we going to the Bernie K packs, which is the person who died in the beginning. And this is when delirium says, what's the name for the word? Uh, when things are not being the same always, you know, I'm not sure there there is one. There must be a word for it to let you know that time is happening. There's a word. And Sandman goes, change? She was like, oh, I was afraid of that. That's not foreboding at all either as much as the last step, end of the issue, is it, Joe? Um, on a scale, if end of issue two's foreboding is a 10, this is about a nine and a half. Okay, so we knock it back a notch, but um, yeah, a lot of a lot of pieces are in play. We're getting to see people that have maybe been around a very long time, either are getting bumped off 
or attempts are being made on them, or we'll see what they go through in the next issue to avoid such things. Right. So, which brings us to issue 44. Um, another name on the list was the Alderman, and he's like, uh, I don't know exactly what... Uh, I want to say he's like more of a Native American, but I could be wrong because I can't tell by the dress. But he's realizing that something's up, and he decides to hide too. And now he's going to be because uh, he's the he, what was he? he was the man with the shadow of a bear. Now he's going to become the bear with the shadow of a man, and he ends up like chewing his shadow off, which is a really cool concept. And he becomes the bear, and the shadow ends up becoming the man who remembers that he's a man somehow and this guy ends up becoming the bear um and it's just a whole bit that they do that's really cool that i'm not going to go deep into but especially like the bit where the guy wanders off with his feet hurting because he had his his shadow chewed off it's just really really cool but that's another person who can smell what's coming you know what i mean i want to i want to doff my john cena cap to you and say in reading this, I was dreading having to attempt to explain this, and you did a fantastic job. Oh, thank you. Uh, um, actually, that you know, go ahead. Sorry. And it end, it, it just kind of ends up saying, and then finally, the bear without a shadow forgets that it had ever been the alderman, that it has ever been anything other than a bear. So essentially, he like mind wipes himself, right, to get out of whatever may or may not be coming for him. Because yep. he's, his name is written on the envelope of a crazy person. And yes, <laughs> I called her a person as well. Right. And she's going to be enamored with the fact that you called her a person. Yes. So they're driving, um, looking for Bernie, Bernie's house, I mean. And Sandman's doing this weird thing. And he's like looking around. His eyes are flashing. And she's like, you kind of keep looking around for something. And, you know, what are you looking for? And why do you have those weird eyes? Everybody in the family has proper eyes. Well, except for Destiny. And he's like, Destiny is blind. Um, and that's, that's you know, that'll maybe pay off a little bit later. Um, and they get to the house and Ruby's like, I'll come in with you. And she's like, no, you're staying outside. We're going to handle this in private. And they end up like asking for Bernie. And the son's like, oh, you haven't heard? He he passed away, and Sandman sa says, I'm sorry. And I know you like to mention a lot of times when Sandman seems out of, like, not out of, he's changed. Sandman from issue one or two or before one on this journey would have just not even acknowledged that, his, that he had someone in his life pass away. And him saying, I'm sorry, might be, I don't know, Joe, is the word I want to use change? I don't know. <laughs> it's a big step. Yep. So he's like, and I don't know why he's like, but he's drunk and he's going to talk to more of, he's like, I got to show somebody this. And he's like, come down. He goes, I just thought my father was like a boring, a boring old lawyer who had like a ponytail because he was balding. He's like, but I came down and I find all this. I find like gold Krugerans. I find Picassos and he thinks it's Da Vinci. He's like, I found these big bags of brown powder, which might be smack and another bag of white powder that might be Spectrox. He's like, I found passports with no name on it. He's like, I don't even know what to do with this kind of stuff. Um, like, do I call the FBI? Um, and I like De Delirium's like looking through all this stuff. She just finds kids bubbles, like a bubble thing. She's like, can I have this? 
And he's like, how did he die? He's like, a building fell on him. Like, bizarre. Like, just ironic, dumb. And Sandman's like, hmm. Like, he's asking questions. He's just an asking questions endless at this point, Joe. Um, so they get back to the car, and she's oh, like... And I, uh, I do want to mention, obviously, it's a little heavy-handed, but of course, you know, you go through all of this stuff with what uh, Bernie had in his life. The many secret lives that he had been living. Obviously, we know that he's lived for 15,000 years, right? Mm-hmm. And he has the picture that his kid drew for him up on the wall framed. Um, obviously, as and they, they kind of like end that last scene with the close-up of that. I feel as though that is done to kind of focus on how hard he was trying to put that boring facade forward mm-hmm. so that no one would be able to sniff out all the stuff, the lives that he's lived. Yep. Yep. Um, so now they come out and they're talking to Ruby and Ruby's like that thing you said about before about destiny being blind. That's not the saying love is blind. That's the saying, isn't it? And Ruby talking about love immediately. Sandman, I like the line is like, the subject is one I find entirely lacking in interest. Woo, cold joke. <laughs> you know? Um, so they're like, uh, they're like, he was dead. She's like, oh, dad, she does a lawyer joke. Um, well, uh, who do we see next? Uh, they want to go see attain of the second look. And he's like, she's like, okay, that's 15 hours, but I'm going to need to stop and eat. And it's like, why, why do you want to stop? He's like, listen, we stop because I'm human kind of, she doesn't know what they are, but I, she's like, I got to sleep. I got to eat. I'm not doing this. And he's like, uh, okay, uh, that's fine. Um, and let's go. We'll go to a motel. And I like Delirium's like, we should go see the lawyer. And Sam is just, I like that Sam never belittles her anymore. He's just like, okay, I have to remind her that, she, that he's dead. He's dead. She's like, oh, okay, yes, I forgot. It, so he, they, he deals with her in a very straightforward, matter of fact way, mm-hmm. in a way that there can, there should be. No question or room for interpretation, but it being delirium, there always will be. He's doing his best to handle this as best as he can. Yep. So uh, they get to the hotel and Ruby just tells Sandman, like, if you want anything, we can get food. He's like, no, I just I just, I, I don't wish to eat. I just want to go to my room. And she's like, um they're all the same, pick a room, and Sandman just opens the door and goes in, and she's like, hey, wait a minute, you forgot your key card. And uh, I like Delirium just goes, I don't think he likes keys anymore, just leave him. Now, if this was any other writer, Joe, she would go, the writer would have them like, yeah, because he had the key to hell, and it, it changed him because of all this other stuff that happened, but that's a nut, like, that was 20-some issues ago, and it's just like, hey, little easter egg little nod and that's why i love sandman you know what i mean maybe you know maybe you don't know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it makes it better if you know so she's like uh i'll see you in the morning here's your key card um she's like you know how to use it she's like yeah i i, I know how to use a key i'm not stupid or anything and she looks at it and she doesn't know what to do and i love that she turns it into an actual key like staring down the barrel of the camera in the art like looking directly at the reader like I got a key and it goes in. I'm like a beautiful bit. And then she lays down on the bed and does uh, uh, soap bubbles that she got off the sun. And, but none of them are round Joe. They're very, very weird. Soap bubbles. Now 
I want to just point something out here that they have been doing throughout the course of this, okay? Doing the little recap of what the whole issue will be? Yes. They've been doing that all the way back to Seasons of Mist. Okay. But this one in particular, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. This one in particular, the fact that they give away such a huge moment in this issue. I don't agree with that. They shouldn't have done that. I get you. I get you. But did you know? uh, Let me see. It's on the cover, too. I know. Okay. I didn't know if you knew it was on the cover, too. That's all. Um. But now we get Ruby's backstory. Ruby's like, you know, a sort of a Catholic who has never had relations, if you will. And she just wants money. Well, she wants to live wait like a, a rich... I need to. I need to interrupt you as I'm looking at the cover. Yes. Because, so in the box, okay? Right. Um, it says, um, the other side of the sky, which we missed, you know, Delirium talking about the clouds. A bear in his shadow, departed secrets... Twinkles, a nice word. So's Viridian. Three keys. A treatsy on optics. And then the perils of smoking in bed. Question mark. Okay. So the cover of the book says, Twinkles, a nice word. So's Viridian. A treatsy on optics. A bear in his shadow. The other side of the sky. Departed secrets. Again, that's here too. And then on the cover that I have... It says, the perils of hunting in bed. Hmm. And you have the actual copy? I have the trade. Oh, okay. I have the digital, and it says the dangers of smoking in bed. Interesting. Hmm. Maybe a big cigarette got to them about that. Oh, boy. Uh, But, like, yeah, that was, like, what I say about Ruby. Um, We get to know her. And she's like talking about she's seen the wealthiest of the wealthy with Farrell and his traveling uh, thing. And he's like, she wants to be like it. And that's all she wants. And she never, you know, was with a, a man. But she did meet a guy that she liked an awful lot. But, Joe, do you know why it didn't work out? She fa- he failed the credit check. You got to love that. Like, they don't, you know, like make bones about what this character is. Um and she's like, okay, destiny is blind, kind of a deal. She keeps thinking about that destiny. It's, 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 it's love is blind. And she's like, one cigarette won't hurt before uh, I go to bed. Um, so delirium's in her room, and she's looking over the letter, and she ends up uh, realizing that you know K Pax is dead, and she ends up going to look in her mind for for attain, and she's like, she's run too. And so does the alderman. The alderman's gone. She can't feel him anymore either. But the dancing lady, she she kind of reaches out. And this lady's named Ishtar. And there's a name named Nancy. And she, the one girl's kind of sick. And Ishtar's talking to her. And then at one point, Nancy, who's kind of like higher on drugs, is being uh, deliriums using her as a channel. And she's like, you're the dancing lady, aren't you? You're really pretty. She's like, Tiffany, what? We'll see you so soon. And that's kind of like a uh, a weird situation. Taking so this time, I just want to throw out there. So in this bit, um, where Delirium is trying to do this on her own, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when she's looking at the back of the envelope, she's drawn with like a look of like shock on her face. 
Right. And then in the next panel where it says she simps, she's then she simply lets herself go. And in that scene, it's almost as though she's like disintegrating, mm-hmm. literally letting herself go. And then she mentions about Itain um, that she's seeking refuge, refuge somewhere, but somewhere that delirium can't see. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, obviously, that's who we saw, you know, run out of the building with the gas leak. Um, it, and again, it just so much these like we get into so much information in this issue. It's moving so fast and it's giving you so much information and it's not allowing you in a good way to, like, take it all like it's supposed to be. I think it's all supposed to be overwhelming. Right, because we don't understand completely everything that's going on yet. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's the way the uh, uh, Neil, who's a good writer, is kind of conveying it in the story. I'm with you. So uh, Morpheus decides to, you know, go back to the dreaming for a second and says, like, to Lucian, everything okay? He's like, yes, if there's a problem, don't hesitate to call me. Lucian's like, any luck in finding your brother? And he's like, are you near? He's like... Like, I have no desire to find my brother. He's unimportant. Like, I'm not even looking. I travel for the sake of traveling, and that is all. Joe, I'm starting to think Sandman is lying about why he's traveling, but mm-hmm. neither here nor there. Um, he says, however, Lucian, I think some something's coming up to, like, counteract what we're trying to do. Take a look into this, if you could. And Lucian's like, oh, okay, well, um, I'll put somebody on immediately. And he goes... By the way, I only met your brother, you know, on a handful of occasions, but I really liked him and respected him. I hope you do find him. And Sandman kind of like, you know, downtrodden again. He goes, he abandoned his responsibilities. Um, In retrospect, I suspect that he told me that what, what he intended to do, but I did not listen, Lucian, nor did I hear. And we get a flashback to him. Uh, with the destruction, you know, in I'm guessing England somewhere, and they're like talking, talking about stuff, and somebody tries to pickpocket Dreams Ruby because he still has this Ruby at the time, and he ends up doing the liturgy of like, oh, you dream of this like the Hanger's Tree kind of a deal, and he's like, because he's still that like, you're gonna dream about it being hung every day for the rest of your life <laughs> until you finally die, and that's gonna be a peaceful moment, and you're gonna be glad about it. Bit of a vengeful early Sandman show. And even uh, Destruction's like, like, you didn't really need to do that. And um, he's like, but I want to tell you something. These are like changing times. And, you know, everything is, is, is changing. We're becoming an age of reason. And he ends up taking him to a, like a doctor's office who ends up, he's dissecting a baboon and I'm not going to go into everything, but he ends up like discussing how, you know, things are changing and, and what man's doing and do they really need us for what we do? Like our jobs, you, you dream me destruction kind of a deal. Um, and Sandman kind of wants um, none of it. And along the way, uh, the original Corinthians with them. And I like that he steals the eyes out of the baboon doing his, uh, his gimmick, you know what I mean? Joe? Um, and in the end you could see the heartache on destruction where he's like, you know, uh, we're here as long as we need kind of a, a deal, but after the light is the big bang and the loud explosions. And then my time follows the time of flame and fire. And you can see the, 
the weight of his responsibilities on him in this, but you can also see how dream never listened to him. Like, cause he was so about himself that he maybe kind of wishes he listened. I think it's more of Morpheus is in the mindset of no matter what these people do, no matter what achievements or advancements they make, they will always need us. Mm -hmm. And therefore we will always be here. And that will never change. No matter how far along they get, we will never change. We will never need anything else, you know, other than what we currently do. Destruction sees change coming down the Jersey Turnpike. And this Morpheus, obviously, you know, we get the bit before where, as he's talking to Lucian, he says, you know, as I recollect, you know, my brother told me essentially what was going to happen and what he was going to do. And... Yeah, yeah, I was just too set in my ways to listen or change or any of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, now we he's back in the waking world, and the whole hotel is on fire. And I like that they're coming, like, you know, like a fireman would, like, kicking down doors and screaming. And he's like, I, uh, I beg your pardon? I was, like, nonchalant as the place is burning down around his ears. And he's like, you got to move. And that Sandman... Once oh, again, no, it, I, the, the line is so perfect. It goes, your pardon. I, the, the fireman's like, hey, fella, over here, quickly. And Morpheus is like, your pardon. I was remembering. <laughs> Come on, you, 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 you dumb son of a... The place is going up. Move. And what does Sandman think about first now? Ruby. Ruby. Just, like, completely. And he comes what, out, and I love... What a coincidence what? that the driver's name is Ruby. Mm-hmm. And he had a ruby, and his ruby was stolen in the thing that he was thinking about. Right. Oh, it's like poetry, Joe. Um, but they ended up talking. I like. He's like, come on, we got to go uh, to the f- fire exit. He's like, before I leave, do you have any idea how it started? He's like, oh, you know, ruby, this lady smoking in bed, you know, started it. And he's like, oh, have you seen my sister? You might, you might notice her wild hair. He's like... She's she was out in the parking lot. Like, I hate to disturb you, but could you get out of here? Because, like, I really need you to leave. And he's like, uh, well, hang on, hang on. Let's do a bit. OK, mm-hmm. you want to read the fireman's part? or You want to read Morpheus's part? Which one do you want? I'll take I'll, I'll do the fireman where are we starting at. Oh, look, I hate to disturb. Uh, look, I hate to disturb you. I assume this guy like from Jersey or Bronx or something like that. Look, I hate to disturb you. And only if it's not too much trouble. But will you kindly get the H out of here? Or am I going to have to bust you in the mouth and carry out of here myself? That will not be necessary. I can find my own way out. And thank you. You have been the most helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the funniest back and forth in this book up to this point. How awesome is this going to be in the Netflix show? When he's just standing in CGI flames. So he comes out and Delirium's sitting on the car. Um, He's like, hmm, the fire started in Ruby's room. Um, This may be an accident. But we were guard, you know, she was assigned to guard us and take us from place to place. We failed her. Um, And it might be a simple accident uh, that Ruby's room was where the fire started. And it might be a coincidence that our first quarry uh, chose yesterday was to to hit by a falling down building. Reason was never an important part of my dominion, but certain 
conclusions become inescapable. Do you understand what I'm trying to say, Delirium? Ruby's dead? Dream's like, yes. Oh. Oh, wow. That means I get to drive. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, Todd, if we look at issues two and three and four, the closing lines of each of those, right? Mm -hmm. And if I said the closing line of issue two was the ten, the closing line of issue uh, three or part three of this was a nine and a half, delirium driving the car, we're at an eleven plus. That's right. We're at the spinal tap right here of uh, Sandman rating, so... Oh, but I do love how like delirium looks different every day. Yeah. So cool. So cool. Joe, did I mention I love brief lives as a story? Yeah. Brief lives is real good. Yep. Uh, and it's a great mystery. And I like that a mystery is not something that Sandman Morpheus admits to uh, having much uh, success or knowledge or anything with. And the fact that he just has to kind of say these things out loud. Yes. For the sake of us, the readers who might not be following along, but the fact that he is kind of discovering how to do these sort of things himself along with us, and we get to see him on his journey. And that's what this book is. It's Morpheus's journey, his betterment as a person, and sadly, um, no pun intended, the lives left in his wake. Oh, I got that reference. How do you like that? I'm a poet too, Todd. Oh, yep. No, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, um, this is really good stuff. <laughs> um, I look forward to reading the next part and yep. it's going to take a lot for me not to jump in and read the rest of it. Like right now. I, okay. Remember when I said last week, I got a little bit ahead. Yeah. I read all of brief lives already. All right. Yeah, but I will refresh for next week, so. I assume, I assume as much. <sighs> so, um, hey, as mentioned, um, you know, we, we put the reading stuff up, of course. You can certainly check this stuff out as we go along with everything. Um, the tea public sale is going on as we speak. Um, 35% off. You can get a bunch of designs, uh, inspired by this show, by After Dark, by a bunch of the other shows in the soon-to-be-named network, including the soon-to-be-named network logo in and of itself. Um, on everything from notebooks to cell phone covers to everything in between. Uh, you could also make purchases through our eBay affiliate link. I'm not going to read the full disclaimer, but affiliate links are throughout the site. Uh, gives us a little bit of kickback on stuff that you get from eBay. And there's stuff on eBay out there for everyone. Um, but most importantly, um, the way that you can help us out the most and give yourself something a little bit extra is signing up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash longboxheroes. We put out two bonus shows a month, one previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog, and our movie show this year, uh, we're doing comic book oddities, some of the lesser known uh, comic book, kind of the pre-Marvel cinematic stuff, weirdos, oddballs, things that may have been overlooked. And it doesn't just include movies. There might be failed pilots in there as well, and there's enough in there as well that we might do it again next week or next week, next year, because it'll be on the list as well, you know? Right, yep. Uh, 
Um, the Patreon also gets you full scans of those previews catalogs that we mentioned, expertly done, except for like the last 30 or so pages. Um, that'll change for July. I think things have turned around with uh, the scanning monkeys. Right, the quality. Um, Right. You also get uh, After Dark two days before everyone else if you're at the $5 level, and you also get the two podcasts two days before everyone else, or I'm sorry, two weeks before everyone else if you're at the $5 level. Um, I mentioned on After Dark, I'm going to mention it here. Uh, this month, just to give everyone a tease, a taste, um, a sampling of what we do um, on the Patreon, I'm going to tell you to mark your calendars June 15th and June 25th, we are going to be releasing for one day previously behind the paywall episodes of the podcast from the Patreon just for those days because they line up with certain anniversary dates of movies that we've discussed previously on Previewing the Past. Uh, previewing the past. The movie shows, the Patreon, everything else. My mind is starting to get a little bit hazy. It's been a long day. And that's not just because of the haze that's outside. Um, but yeah, go sign up for the Patreon. I'm with you. Um, last but not least, very last but not least, is a short, 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 non-spoiler discussion review, whatever, of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Mm -hmm. And I only say this because I saw it and Todd did not. Right, and I plan on maybe seeing it soon. If okay. not, when, definitely when it comes to wherever. I do not want to set the expectations too high for this, but it's great. That's everything I've been hearing, you know what I mean? The I, only knock I've heard yes. is that people forgot that it's going to be a two-parter. Yes, so that's what I wanted to discuss. I got no problem spoiling this, okay? Mm -hmm. People laughed at me, Todd. They scoffed at me. When I kept a detailed list of those moving and sliding release dates for all of these movies. Some people even said, Joe, how come you don't have all the way out to 2025? And I said, I do. I just don't send it to you. I wonder who that person, that handsome, handsome person could be. <laughs> but this movie in particular slid quite a bit. Um, it was originally supposed to come out this past October. Then it got moved to, you know, this past weekend as well. And when it was originally being pushed and advertised, it was being called Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Mm -hmm. And then they moved the movie by eight months. And when the new marketing blitz rolled out, they took the Part 1 away. And a lot of people forgot that it was originally advertised as a Part 1 and a Part 2. Now, luckily, part two, you only got to wait another nine months for it to come out because it comes out in March unless the date changes again, which it could. Um, but it's really good. It looks cool. I love the animation style in this. Um, they There's lots of really cool, fun in-jokes for all of the Spider-Man stuff. And I know you're going to be surprised by this, but it's a movie about responsibility. Ooh. <laughs> and the power that comes with that responsibility. That whether, sounds gr great, Joe. <laughs> whether you were intended for that power or not. Okay. Um, they, obviously, because it's animated, it 
does touch on some of the cinematic stuff, but not too much. Just enough, um, you know, just enough to have some fun Easter eggs and stuff in there for folks. Um, Oscar Oscar Isaac's is great as uh, Spidey Man Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um. If I say he's the de facto villain of the movie, is that too much? Uh, okay, I would never have guessed that he was the Scarlet Witch of the movie. There's the, the, is he? There's a villain in the movie. The Spot is the villain, right? Oh, um, oh and Todd! Todd! The, uh, hey, this is spoiler talk, okay? Okay. Alright. So listen, Todd... Last year, we had this whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where we took the bottom of the barrel uh, Spider-Man villains, and we put them up against the bottom of the barrel Batman villains, and it was supposed to be like whoever the worst of the worst was was going to determine who would have the second best rogues gallery because you're only as strong as your weakest link. All the other nonsense that we said, and <laughs> I will hang my hat on the results that Batman won. So, of course, rogues gallery order goes Flash number one. Batman number two, Spider-Man number three, right? Mm-hmm. Todd, if I had a nickel for every one of the morts that I picked for my Spider-Man list that are in this movie, I'd have a lot of nickels, Todd. Right. <laughs> when Video Man shows up in the movie, okay? <laughs> when Typeface shows up in the movie... <laughs> Todd, I was going nuts. There was one person in the theater who was clapping for typeface. I hate people who clap in the theater, but I understand this one, Joe. Oh, my God. You'll never see uh, the blue Bowman in a Batman movie. You'll never see any of these other folks in a Batman movie. I don't even remember because they all sucked anyway. Right. But made of wood killer two won't be in. Absolutely not. What was? The, oh my god! Who was the greatest Spider-Man villain of all time? What was it? Laser Whip? What was his name? Wild Whip. Wild was Wild Whip in the movie? If Wild Whip is in the movie, I'd give it to you. Now again, I I don't know what's in Across the Spider Verse Part Two. Right. But I do know that Ben Riley does play a big part in this one. Mm-hmm. And he and Wild Whip is Ben Riley's arch nemesis, maybe the greatest spider villain of all time. So maybe we'll see on the sequel come March. You know, right? If all because because the way that everything got tiered and how everything because Spider Verse uh, was supposed to come out in October, there was like a ton of Spider Verse costumes that were available. Mm-hmm. But because there was no movie, they all just immediately went to the clearance rack. How many Spider Clone uh, Ben Riley costumes you buy? The, okay, to sew together. <laughs> they didn't have a they didn't have a Spider Clone one mm-hmm. or a Spidey twenty ninety nine one, but they did. You ever see like the inflatable costumes that people can get? I, the dinosaur ones, the one I always notice. There's this. Well, there's a. Uh, there was a spider dinosaur in this movie, so there was an inflatable spider dino in, in costume, right? Mm-hmm. And those costumes are very expensive, and they take up a lot of space. And I think on November first, you were able to buy them for like a dollar. 
Because oh, they moved because there was no supporting material for them, right? Boy, did that company get railroaded. <laughs> so I could only imagine that if Across the Spider-Verse 2's release date was supposed to be October t- 2023 and it got moved to March of 2020 or it got moved to March of 2024, that this October there's going to be tons of wild whip costumes on the shelves. <sighs> I want to see you stuffed into a Ben Riley hoodie. <laughs> The hoodie's no problem. The spandex is another story. Uh, it keeps it all in, Joe. Ugh. You could be, you could be like, it's all supposed to, baby. Ugh. No thanks. No form-fitting armor for me. Pure West. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, th- hey, that's it. Unless there's anything else that you would like to chime in with, you know? No, I think, uh, you know, I'm still on my high about you complimenting me on my explanation of the alderman. So, yeah, that's close. That's I'll close. say it again. You did a, fa- a bang up job regarding all of that. Yep. It was it was a very difficult thing to, to get across and you did a fantastic job in doing so. I conveyed a thought. Well, yes. I, I, not only that, a complicated thought. Well, Todd. There's hope for me yet, Joe. Let's not go crazy. (laughs) So, everyone, thank you very much for listening to episode 661 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.